This is the Less Doing Podcast with your host, Ari Mysel. Learn how to optimize, automate, and outsource and be more effective at everything. Welcome to the Art of Less Doing. Let's get ready to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your lives. I'd like you to say hello to my co-host, Sebastian Mizell, my 11-week-old, one of my 11-week-old sons, because we have twins, who is asleep in front of me right now. So that makes him my co-host for the day. I'm still in the country with my family. We're finding it very hard to make ourselves go back to the city and city life. Uh, Part of the reason that that's difficult is that I'm finding that it's really a lot easier than I even thought was possible to get work done and be productive and stay motivated while away from the quote-unquote office. So I've been able to do lots of Skyping and phone calls and uh, gotten a lot of great writing done. It's been really sort of gratifying and uh, and reinforcing that uh, what we're doing is working. So before we get to the interview today, which is with Bob of Quantified Bob, which needs very little explanation, uh, I just want to talk about three things. One, the Bulletproof executive, Dave Asprey, who we've had as a guest on the show before, and I have been interviewed on his podcast, uh, is partnered up with uh, a great company that does heart rate tracking, and they've come out with a new app called FoodSense. Now, FoodSense basically works as a food sensitivity tracker. Now, how can you do that with your iPhone? Well, people might spend lots of money and take lots of vials of blood to do food sensitivity testing, but it turns out that you can do some pretty accurate testing just based on your heart rate. So there was a doctor named uh, Arthur Coca, and he developed the Coca Pulse Test. And basically, you take your baseline in the morning, uh, and then you take it before you eat a certain food and after you eat a certain food. And basically what he found was that if you have an increase in your heart rate of more than 16 beats per minute without doing physical activity or anything, then you have a food sensitivity to whatever you just ate. And depending on who you are or if if you have a gluten issue or you think you might have an issue with peanuts or food dyes, you can really kind of whittle down on what was in the meal that caused that sensitivity. Uh, And what's really interesting about it is that you'll know within a half an hour to an hour and a half if you had a reaction to that food. So you may not feel it uh, or you may feel something but not be able to identify the reason. And... The uh, your heart rate will tell a very telling story. So uh, one other thing I thought was really interesting, I just read an article about how mosquitoes will favor certain people over others. And seeing as it is particularly hot out these days, mosquitoes have become more and more of an issue. And I've always been one of those people who just never gets bitten. And my wife gets bitten all the time. So one of the things that the article said was that people with type O blood Uh, are twice as likely as people with type A and people with B are somewhere in the middle. So that's kind of interesting. But what I thought was really fascinating was that mosquitoes are attracted to CO2, 
which is what we exhale when we breathe out. What's interesting about CO2 is that if you have low levels of vitamin B12, which we get from meats and eggs and, and things like that, you'll actually produce more CO2, which would attract more mosquitoes. So uh, there's actually a transdermal patch that you can buy from, uh, I forgot the name of the company, but it infuses vitamin B12, and it's supposed to work as a mosquito repellent. You can also, of course, take a multivitamin, but probably the best thing would be to just eat some meat and keep those mosquitoes away. So with that, I hope you're all enjoying your summer. Here's the interview. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking with Bob from Quantified Bob. How are you? Hi, Ari. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for taking this time to talk to me. So, uh, you know, first of all, just tell everybody what Quantified Bob is. Well, Quantified Bob is really just a blog that's an extension of my self-tracking and biohacking exploits. Uh, by day, I'm, I'm sort of just an everyday sort of person, much like yourself. I run a business. I'm the CEO of a, a marketing and technology firm in New York City. Um, and this has always just been a passion of mine. Um, from, I've been self-tracking since I was a kid, basically. Um, and once I got more involved with what's sort of become the quantified self-movement, seeing that there, there are other people kind of that carry the same interests as myself, um, it, it really triggered me to create an outlet to sort of express and share some of what I've been working on with others. Now, are there particular areas of your life that you focus on tracking? Or I'm assuming throughout the years you've just kind of tracked everything, but is there things that you particularly focus on now? Yeah. I mean, you know, back when I was a you know, a high school athlete and a college athlete, a lot of it was around, you know, tracking workouts and diet and just trying to find correlations with that and physical performance. Um, as I got older, my – and the technology has sort of evolved to allow um, for more detailed types of tracking – uh, being able to do things like get blood work done on a monthly basis, getting your DNA analyzed, um, down to wearing sensors and wearable technology that can sort of passively track different uh, data points for you. Um, you know, it, it's really allowed me to have a much bigger um, view of, of myself. So, I mean, I sort of differentiate, you know, self-tracking, which is really this, the, the collection of data, with um, kind of self-discovery. It's, it's sort of like taking that data and, and trying to learn more about yourself. So it wasn't that I set out to necessarily fix something. Sometimes it's more about looking over the data I've gathered and trying to find correlation. Uh, and then you can go from there into more of what, what is considered the, the you know, biohacking area, which is where you, you can sort of run experiments on yourself and see if, you know, changing diet or different um, areas of your life can have an impact. So my personal interests now are still very much in sort of personal optimization. Uh, you know, how do I get the most out of my time to make myself feel, uh, work more efficiently on the inside and outside, uh, whether that's diet, nutrition, exercise. Uh, I'm also very big into reducing stress and, and keeping tabs on that. Um, and then the last area would probably be more about, um, again, with, self, with self-discovery, just being more aware of even impacts of things like environment on myself. Okay, so that, I mean, that, and that's, that's great. There's a really kind of diverse range of areas to be, to be tracking things on that you can try to optimize. What would you say is the most profound thing that you've kind of discovered about yourself or the most actionable change that you've been able to make? 
Well, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you can collect all the data in the world, and I think a lot of people, you know, the problem they have with a lot of self-tracking is you collect a lot of information, and if you don't act on it, or, um, even if there's some insights you can glean from it, if you don't act on it, it, was, it sort of didn't really serve much of a purpose. So so for me, um, probably one of the most recent examples would be uh, how I, I switched my diet about eight months ago. Um, kind of went against a lot of what I had historically been doing. Uh, and seeing, and then seeing what the impact that was. I, I mean, I, I've always eaten rather healthy. Uh, I, I don't go to fast food restaurants. I, I cook a lot at home, but I was always eating a very sort of lean, low-fat diet. Um, you know, I would eat lots of pasta and meat. Um, come from an Italian-American family, so uh, you know, I do it in moderation, but I enjoyed it. Enjoyed pizza, uh, but for training, you know, I would eat lean, like chicken and turkey. Uh, if I ate steak, it would be the leanest cuts. And, um, and about a year ago, um, what sort of triggered a lot of this was, you know, again, I, I run a company. Um, I have a pretty active, stressful sort of daily, daily routine. Um, and I went through the process of selling my business. And between that and, and later understanding I was actually overtraining at the gym. So while I may have looked good physically, I was sort of a bit wrecked internally. Um, my, you know, things like testosterone and energy and things had just dropped. And, um, and I sort of just shut down. I mean, I, I had like a weekend where I literally just rolled up on the couch and didn't want to do anything. I, I, I just I just needed to, to recover for think, but I didn't know from what. And as I started exploring diets and everything, I, I was sort of looking into you know this sort of paleo movement and um, and seeing how their approach to you know you can actually eat fat and, and healthy saturated fats and and by you know cutting out things like uh, meat and grains from your diet, how that can have a profound impact on not just how you feel, but in terms of your uh, performance physically um, and in other in other areas of your life. So I, um, you know, I kind of went about it on a very sort of just everyday person sort of way. I mean, I had done some blood work, established some baselines, so I knew sort of where my my key biomark um, markers were. Uh, during that time, I was learning a bit more about you know, what causes, what markers identify, for example, you know, if you're overtraining, if you're, if you're suffering from some form of inflammation, uh, and just knowing there's some correlations between things like uh, cholesterol, testosterone, and, and vitamin D. So I um, I said, you know, when I do something, I kind of go full force into it. So, I, you know, I, I ate my, my last sort of a big plate of pasta one, one Sunday, and then I started basically following and I hate using the word diet because it's not it's not like I'm trying to lose weight or anything like that. It was more it's almost like a lifestyle. Um you you may have heard of there's like a spin off of the of the paleo movement. It's, like a, it's called the bulletproof diet. It's a little bit um kind of like taking the premise of paleo uh and reducing uh the amount of toxins and things in your diet to help make help improve your performance even more. So you know basically the way it works is um you get about 50 to 60% of your calories from healthy fats, maybe 20% from protein, and the rest, uh, things like vegetables or um, healthy or kind of starchy carbs. Uh, so you really want to keep, you know, it's a very low-carb diet. Um, with that, you work in what's called intermittent fasting. So what that means is I consume all of my meals basically in a six- to seven-hour window. So from about, let's say, I eat my first meal at two in the afternoon, and you know, my last meal won't and just say 8 o'clock would be dinner, and after that, I, I won't eat anything. Um, what you're doing is you're, it was, get, it was changing the way my body 
sort of um, process, you know, you would, would use for energy. So instead of using, you know, storing away fat and using carbohydrates for energy, you, you, you it leverages ketosis and puts your body into a state where it learns to use the fats for energy. And both, the difference between paleo and the bulletproof diet, especially when you bring in that intermittent fasting, is that you kind of cheat in the morning. Uh, so what you do is you make a special type of coffee that incorporates uh, grass-fed butter and MCT oil, which is just a, um, a spilled, it's distilled from coconut oil. And what you're really doing is you're giving your body some fats and for energy that will get you through. You don't feel hungry or anything like that, but you're not tripping out of that um, ketogenic state. So, you know, I, I did this program. Uh, my initial sort of experiment was let me just try it for 30 days. Uh, I, I, I did it. I logged every meal I ate. I kept track of the tabs and everything. Uh, you know, I incorporated a, a sort of a different workout routine. I actually went from, you know, instead of going to the gym, you know, six days a week to like an hour a day, I was, I was focusing on a routine that was maybe three days a week, uh, from, you know, maybe 30, 30 minutes. Uh, just, you know, again, just to ensure that I'm not overtraining and, and, you know, have the ability to recover. So after that 30-day period, I went and redid, re got retested in terms of blood work. And um, the, the changes were pretty, uh, you know, from that standpoint, were pretty amazing. Um, you know, get the ability to increase or get all my biomarkers in, in line, especially with relation to things like, um, you know, getting testosterone, like basically I think up by 40%. Um, you know, there were elevations to my cholesterol, which is sort of a natural um, byproduct of, I think, when you switch these diets, at least initially. Because uh, a lot of people are dealing with things like, um, like me personally, things like leaky gut or having fat malabsorption issues, um, and I'm still dealing with them in the state where we're trying to troubleshoot other factors that that may have contributed to that. There's been you know years of eating meat or uh, or some genetic disposition to how my body can process things like fat. Um, but there were a lot of other you know areas that I saw benefits from. I mean, just general sort of. Um, mood and energy, uh, being able to, like, be on point in the morning, you know, that 9 a.m. meeting and, and not being tired or kind of having to wake up, you're pretty sharp and focused. I think having that, you know, coffee plus healthy fats in the morning uh, definitely helps with that. I also, um, you know, just, um, you know, that, that general mental acuity is definitely a, a noticeable uh, factor. Um, you know, I also... I was always that person that had that, you know, four o'clock cup of coffee in the afternoon. You kind of have to crash and you need that pick me up. And what's weird is you would think you're drinking more coffee, but I would actually not need that anymore. I, I pretty much power through the whole day without ever feeling uh, sort of up and down, especially, you know, people who drink like soda all day and your kind of blood sugar's going up and down. It's a pretty baseline stable throughout the day. Um, so for me, it's been a, it's been a pretty dramatic sort of uh, change, you know, not just from the outside, but from the inside as well. So you uh, you just had actually a whole bunch of points that I actually want to cover with you, which is great. Uh, so yeah, Dave has actually been on the the podcast, so I'm a I'm a big fan, and um, I I also pretty much follow a, a fairly high fat diet. I wouldn't exactly say that I follow for it, but um, high fat is very it's been very important. It's, for a number of reasons, the mental acuity, the, the energy, the, the anti-inflammatory benefits of things like butter and olive oil and coconut oil. Uh, the biomarker is an interesting one. So you mentioned blood testing. And it's, you know, I, I work with Inside Tracker and get pretty regular blood testing. It's interesting how 
the cholesterol levels change. But what I recently learned, and I think that you covered this in one of your blog posts, was that the ratios between things like LDL and HDL and triglycerides, total cholesterol, are much more important than the numbers themselves. So can you touch on that? Yeah. So, I mean, the big problem, I think, with, you know, doctors in general in the medical community is they'll go get, you know, they'll get a blood a blood test and they give you the results and they'll say, hey, you know, you're Look at your how high your cholesterol is, or your you know, your LDL is just it's horrendous. But um, I think even before we talk about ratios, I think there's the understanding that you know with cholesterol, so there's two types, right? You have HDL, which is considered like good cholesterol, and um, then you have LDL, which is considered bad cholesterol. Now, the problem is LDL. There's there are two types of LDL. Um, so that there's two particle sizes, and even if you have a more elevated level of LDL, there, you know, it's, it's the small particles, the tiny ones, that's what causes issues. That's when we think about people having issues with, uh, you know, their arteries clogging and all of that. It's because those little particles can get packed in. There's a much, there's, there's a larger particle size that there's sort of these fluffy, you know, bigger, bigger types of LDL that your body can just sort of process through. So what I saw, what I did saw, see is that even though my um, cholesterol levels went up, um, the LDL particle um, composition was all the way over to the, the large fluffy sort of particles. So it was basically just meaning my body was just flushing it through. Um, now with ratios, uh, I did a little bit of research and I, and I came across a few interesting ones. So basically you, what you want to track is there's HDL to your total cholesterol. And they say that, you know, you want a ratio of higher than 0.24 and it probably doesn't mean a whole lot to your, your listeners until you go into a spreadsheet and pick numbers down. But um, but what you want is actually, uh, you know, as high a ratio as possible. And um, and, and, it, and so the, that ratio for myself um, was pretty stable. It, uh, actually, when I did my in the 30 days, it was stable, and now it's since gone up a bunch. So over time, it actually keeps increasing. Uh, then you have triglycerides to HDL. And um, they say that that's actually a pretty – good predictor of heart disease. So um, you want that ratio um, pretty low. Um, you know, they, uh, they're saying below two, and I think my numbers are, are you know, even below one. So they're, they're, they're pretty low. Uh, and then there's just a general HDL to LDL overall um, ratio, which is, uh, you know, just divide one by the other. And, um, you know, anything over 0.4 is great. And, uh, and again, my, my numbers went, went up through there. So, you know, I'm not too concerned with the um, the cholesterol numbers. Uh, when I, you know, I, I did go to the doctor to kind of talk through it because um, I think, you know, the thing about any diet or program or whatever you want to call it is, you know, there's general, um, everyone's sort of following a certain philosophy, but we're all different. Our bodies are all different. I mean, we're, you know, we can have just whether we've done damage in the past and we're still trying to heal it or we have genetic disposition. So in my case, um, I, I realized that I actually have issues with um, processing fat. So I never knew this because I always ate a low-fat diet. So I never had the issue of my body having to process, you know, the extra um, fat from my diet and, and, and whether it's a combination of that, um, fat malabsorption, or just having leaky gut and, and, and actually things that come back into your bloodstream. You know, it, it's so from, I'm still trying to troubleshoot that a bit. Um, and we're testing different theories um, out with that. So that just takes time. Um, but, you know, it's still, for me, it's, uh, it's again, it's a bit of self-discovery on top of um, 
trying to set out to, you know, make myself feel better and more optimal. Yeah, so now what, what I love about this and, and what I want everyone to kind of glean from this is, you know, whether you're trying to be more productive or healthier or whatever it is, there there are different pathways to get that. A lot of people will tell you that a good diet is the basis for doing anything, basically. If you want to be a better athlete or you want to do better on your SATs, whatever it might be, they could say that diet is it. Some people might say it's sleep. Some people may say it's meditation. Regardless of what it is, Bob has given you guys a really good example, and I've had these experiences myself, a really good example of how somebody who's not a biologist or a doctor or another kind of scientist can really experiment with their body, measure the performance and the changes, and then continue along those pathways to see what works and what doesn't. So that actually, I find that the uh, changing the bulletproof for 30 days and measuring those metrics is, is such a perfect example of why quantified self makes so much sense. So what I really want to end with, which is what I do with everybody, is I'd like to know what your top three personal productivity tips are, the things that just make you better every day. Let's see, top three. Um, you know, I, I would say the first, even though it does sort of relate to body and mind, it, it has a definite impact on productivity. I, I think it's important for people, especially you know, if you have a very high-pressure sort of lifestyle, to ha- have an outlet to relieve your stress. Um, and what I mean is there's two two parts to it. One is uh, the ability to sort of clear your mind. And I know it's something a lot of people practice, you know, meditation, and they find a moment to sort of do that. Uh, for me, um, I'm a musician. I've played in bands for years. You know, something you can take a situation where you have to focus all of your attention on something else. It takes my mind off of everything else that's sort of happening in my life. It's a way to sort of escape, and, and it is a very zen sort of um, outlet for me. Uh, also, you know, playing like team sports, uh, I'm, I'm an active soccer player. And so when I'm playing soccer, again, it's just a, it's just a way for me to both get exercise, but it, it, it's, it just lets my mind like drift off away from, you know, thinking about all the, all the sort of things that are going on in my life. Um, you get really close to that task you can. Uh, that's a little bit different than, for example, if you go to the gym in the morning. So for me, my entire day, I don't have any alone time. I'm, you know, from the moment I wake up, you know, dealing with, you know, girlfriend, dog, work, everything else. Uh, the gym is actually the one place where I can sort of have a moment to reflect. Um, and helps me sort of get through in the morning, first thing in the morning. It's a way for me to almost like think through my day a little bit and, and get it, you know, so by the time I do get to work, I've already sort of worked a lot of things out in my head. Um, so that's sort of like a two in one, um, <laughs> tip. I, I, the second I would say is, um, it's pretty important as well. Uh, it's you really need to conserve your decision-making energy. Uh, willpower is a depletable resource. Uh, there are days where you know you you can come home from work and just be completely exhausted, and you're like, I, you know, why? You know, like I didn't exercise today. I ate okay. I don't know what wore me out. And it's just the mental decision-making nonstop. You're just being asked, you know, change gears and, and constantly, you know, making those choices. It, it really can wear you down. And um, there was a great article recently in, in Vanity Fair where they interviewed uh, Barack Obama, and he talked about this. He actually said you know, the only reason he wears gray or blue suits is so that he has to, he can reduce his choices. You know, he, has, he wants to pare down all all his, his decision making uh, and his his conserve his willpower only for important decisions. And and that's sort of you know trying to take that to heart. Um, you know, when I can avoid having to make a decision on something trivial, I you know someone else can make that for me. You know, I have to focus my energy on the more important decisions in my life. 
And uh, third, uh, I started this earlier in the year. This is um, the idea of, of theming your weekly schedule. Uh, I borrowed this from uh, Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter. Uh, what he what he does in what I sort of I try to do now is um, you take each day, and you know you're going to always have other meetings and obligations and all that. But the moments where you have available, where you're not in a meeting, you're not you don't have anything to do or some assignment or um, something like that, you you focus on an area that of, of let's say for me it's work. So like Mondays, I might put I, I could say that's committed to um, running the company work, like management, meetings, or new business strategy and all of that. So people know, like, don't bother me on Wednesday with that that kind of type of question or request. We'll get to it. Uh, you know, I'll split the week up, so I might do a morning. So each each area has a morning one day and an afternoon the other. So like one day might be product development. One for me could be marketing communication. One is HR, company culture and recruitment, or writing, um, financial. So the idea of theming, for me, it allows me to always remain focused. I know at any given day, like, what am I working on when I'm not doing something else? And it keeps me, um, you know, very on point. It also allows other people around me to clearly know already what I'm working on and when to sort of bother me or, or if they want to make a request, they know when I can get to it. Well, so I, those are really pretty diverse and really good examples. I, I love those. Thank you for those. Um, so where can people find out more about what you're doing and what you're working on? So, yeah, I mean, if you go to quantifiedbob.com uh, or just follow quantifiedbob on Twitter, Twitter. It, uh, you know, that's where you'll find uh, my exploits. Uh, you know, I, I, I try to – I'll try to be posting more frequently. Um, my, I've got a bunch of uh, sort of personal experiments queued up. Uh, the challenge is often you can only run a certain amount at any given time because you don't want to impact one experiment with another. Um, I've got some pretty interesting um, experiments planned with regards to, uh, you know, focus on mental acuity, uh, stress relief, as well as, um, you know, just trying to improve uh, cognitive function. Hello? Hey. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You said you got some, I, we lost for a second there. You got some pretty cool experiments on the horizon and then what did you say? Oh, did you drop out the last part? Yes. Oh, no. Yeah, no, uh, I've got some, uh, interesting, um, personal experiments queued up. Uh, I was, I was saying how, you know, you, you can't do everything at once because if you're running numerous experiments, some may impact the others and you need to stabilize and have a baseline in certain ways. So I'm doing some things related to um, quantifying things around stress as, along with mental acuity and, and trying to, you know, increase intelligence in terms of uh, uh, just, you know, cognitive function. Okay, cool. Well, that's, I mean, actually, the cognitive stuff is something that I've been focusing on recently, too, so maybe we'll be able to swap notes soon. Uh, Bob, thank you so much for talking to me. It really, uh, it's it's always fascinating to hear from someone who's, tracking stuff on such an, uh, a high level. So uh, thanks for your time, and, you know, I hope everybody gets a chance to check out Bob's site and follow along. Great. Thanks, Harry.